Okay, this is what? It's a mirror. It's a very good. And what does a mirror do? It reflects, exactly. A mirror is good to reflect things and uh, to do reflections. Excuse me while I can't see me. can't see my mirror. So this mirror, it's not the cleanest mirror in the world. It's not, it's kind of dusty and dirty, but still it, it shows a reflection. See, Francois, you can see yourself. How's your hair look? Very nice, very nice. Okay, so we got the mirror. The mirror is a reflection. We all have them in our houses, right? You may have it over your sink. Uh, you may have it uh, in, in your hallway, a mirror that kind of looks like this. We're kind of a nation that is pretty much obsessed with how we look, aren't we? I say this as someone who's obsessed with how he looks. Um, but the, the mirrors can give us an idea of how we look. They can give us a a perception. They help us see what we look like. And I don't know what to do with this thing now, so I'm going to stick it over here for right now. Some uh, we we carry mirrors with us on our on our on our persons. Uh, some women have pers- uh, mirrors in their purses that they use to adjust their makeup, things like that. You go to the barber or the hairstylist, and they have mirrors on the wall. And they cut your hair and everything, and they'll hand you a a mirror that you can hold in your hand, and they'll spin the chair around, and you can see what the hair looks like from behind. Not too long ago, I went over here to Studio 4 and got my hair cut at at, uh, there on Broad Street, and she cuts my hair and does a really nice job. Everything looks great. She hands me the mirror, and I look in the back, and I notice she cut the hair on the top of my head way, way too short. I mean, it really looked like it was thinning. And the only thing I can think of is that she cut my hair way Way too short. <sighs> Anybody know if Rogaine works? I mean, I'm, I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for a friend. Mirrors. Mirrors. <laughs> In about two years. Great. Fantastic. Um, but mirrors. Mirrors give us a reflection. They help us see things. They help us see uh, a perception. Last month, Jonathan and Shannon and I went down to Florida and we took Jonathan to a, um, a science center museum kind of place and they had these mirrors on the walls. Now, a mirror like this will give you a pretty good idea of giving you a pretty good idea of how you look. The mirrors they had on the wall at this science center were warped and distorted and they made Jonathan in one, in one mirror look really, really, really tall and in, in another mirror they made him look real short and squat and So mirrors can be deceptive, but for the most part, mirrors give us some kind of an accurate representation, whether we like it or not, because sometimes we really don't like it. A mirror will give us a reflection of how we look. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about reflections. We're going to talk about how people see us. We're going to talk about how people perceive us and how we perceive ourselves. We're talking about reflections this morning. I started a sermon series last week based on our vision statement, and we talked about the first part of our vision statement last week. We're talking about the five parts of it. The first part is we are committed to being a body of believers. We are committed to believing. We are a movement committed to believing in God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and following their leadership in our lives. And we talked last week about being followers, being followers of Jesus and actually doing that and, and following their leadership in our lives. This week we're talking about part two of our vision statement. We are a movement. We are a movement that is committed to reflecting God's glory in our lives, both as individuals 
and as a family, reflecting God's glory. What does that look like? What does that mean? Maybe you've heard that phrase before and you have no idea what it means. What does it mean to reflect God's glory? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you have a Bible, and if you would please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I've got two main passages of scripture we're going to talk about. And the first is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's verses 12 through 18. 1 Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. With unveiled faces, we we reflect the Lord's glory. And you may be wondering yourselves, What does all that Moses law, veiled hearts thing, where does that come from? What is that all about? Let me tell you. It's from Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. I love that passage of scripture that talks about when Moses went into the Lord's presence, his face would become radiant. His face would reflect God's glory. So the question I have, one of the questions I have for us this morning, and this is something I hadn't really planned on talking about, but one of the things I think about, when you come together, when we come together on a Sunday morning, we come into God's presence, right? We come here to worship God. He invites us into his presence. He fills this place with his presence. He fills our lives with his spirit. When we come together and we worship on a Sunday morning, what do you reflect the rest of the week? What is your reflection? If you're a mirror, if you were to look in a mirror, how are you reflecting God's glory in your life? Now, in the, in the New Testament there, Paul compares the, the Christians to the Jews and the gospel to the law. He says that the Jews, when they heard the law, There was a veil over their hearts that they couldn't really fully understand because they were still following the law, trying to attain God's standard of righteousness, trying to attain to salvation through being good, through their own righteousness, through following the commandments, the Ten Commandments and the laws of of the Old Testament, the laws of the Torah, that when they tried to follow those laws, that 
there was a veil over their hearts. They couldn't really fully see the whole plan of God. They could not see or comprehend his awesome plan of grace. And then when Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins, that grace became real. That grace that God had intended all along, this unmerited favor that he has for his people, this love that he has, this unconditional love that he has for you and me, when Jesus died on the cross, he brought that into reality for us. And so now we don't have a veil over our hearts. We don't have a veil over our faces. We can see the full plan, the awesome plan, the glorious plan of God. We can see it clearly. And we can reflect that glorious plan, that glorious grace, that glorious gospel. We can reflect that in our lives. One of the things that Paul mentions there in 2 Corinthians 3 is that when we understand the gospel, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we repent from sin and turn to God, when we confess our faith and we get baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, when all that happens and we accept the gospel of God's grace, when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. God's Spirit comes to dwell inside of us and begins to change us from the inside out. God's Spirit begins to transform us and make us more like Jesus. He says that we become transformed. The, the Greek word is, is, has to do with metamorphosis. We morph. That's kind of a cool 21st century techno word. We morph and become less like ourselves and more like Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. There's another Greek word I want to I teach you this morning. It's the word, let me get this right, it's kataptritsamai. Kataptritsamai. Can you say that with me? Kataptritsamai. Let's try that one more time. Kataptritsamai. That word literally means to reflect. It, it's like looking in a mirror. So that when, God, when Jesus comes to dwell inside of us, when we come into God's presence, we reflect his glory. Literally, we reflect the glory of God in our lives. That is so very important that we, that we reflect his glory, that we would do the things that he would have us do, that we look more like Jesus. And as Christians, as we are changed by God's Holy Spirit, that's exactly what happens. We begin to look more like Jesus. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son named Jonathan. Most of you know him, have seen him running around here. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son, Jonathan, and what he really likes to do is he'll go into the closet in the living room, and he will pull out a pair of my shoes, and he will put them on. Now, Jonathan has size 11 and a half feet in kid sizes, in, in baby sizes. I have size 12 feet in baby sizes. No, I have size 12 feet in men's sizes. So his little and 11 and a half size foot goes in my big size 12 shoe, and he... You, how many of your kids did this? Put on daddy's shoes, right? Why? Because he wants to be like daddy. He wants to be like me. And he stumbles around the house and he puts his hands on the walls and tries to keep from falling over. He wants to be like me, which honestly is one of the scariest thoughts to me. That he wants to be like me. Because little toddlers, they, they mimic everything they see. They, they repeat everything they hear, right? And so I really have to be very, very careful the things that I say around him. This morning, this very morning, he goes, oh, drat, because I say, oh, drat, all the time. Something happens, and I'm in front of my three-and-a-half-year-old son, and I say, oh, drat. And this morning, I hear, oh, drat, over and over again, oh, drat, oh, drat. Where did you hear that? I know exactly where he heard it. He heard it from me. 
He wants to be like daddy. He notices that when I put on a pair of shorts and a pair and a t-shirt that's the same color as his shorts and t-shirt, that he looks like daddy. I look like daddy. We're wearing the same clothes. Mommy will come in the room. Hey, you guys are wearing the same clothes. Thank you. He already told me that. He wants to look like me. He reflects me. My mom has told me, she'll watch him sometimes during the week. We'll take him over down to Crown Point, and he spends time with grandma and grandpa. And mom will tell me that uh, she has had this conversation before. She'll be having a conversation with him, and she said, I was having a conversation with him, and I've had that conversation before. It was the strangest feeling of deja vu. I had it 30 years ago with you. In other words, Jonathan is like a little Sean. Perish the thought. <laughs> Jonathan's a little Sean. My mom is very fond of the phrase, apples don't fall far from trees. Talk to her for five minutes, and she'll tell you. She'll, you'll hear that phrase come out of her mouth. Apples don't fall far from trees. And Jonathan is the little apple not falling far from the Sean tree, which is very scary to me. But he wants to be like me. He wants to reflect his daddy. All of that to say... As Christians, followers of Jesus Christ who reflect God's glory, we're to be like Jesus. We are to reflect Him. As the world looks at us, what reflection are they seeing in the mirror of our lives? Two things, two implications that I see from these passages that I want to talk about real briefly. The the first thing is, is that if we're going to reflect God's glory, then we cannot reflect our own. Okay, there, there, there's only one reflection that comes out of a mirror. Like it or not, there's only one reflection. So we, if we're going to reflect God's glory, we can't reflect our own. We live in a world where you're told to promote yourself, to put yourself first, look out for number one, right? You're the most important. You're the best. Make yourself known. Make other people respect you and look up to you. You got to do this and do that in order to make people like you. You never get a chance to make a second chance to make a first impression. Remember that that commercial? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. What product was it for? Anybody know? Head and shoulders. Head and shoulders shampoo. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. If you have dandruff, you're wearing a, a dark blue shirt or something, you got dandruff, people are going to think horrible things about you. Ooh, dandruff. What a horrible first impression they made. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. You know, we got to drive the right cars. We got to live in the right neighborhoods. We've got to, we got to watch the right TV shows. We got to go to the right college so we can get the best job so that we can make lots of money so that we can send our kids to the right college so that they can get the right job and make a lot of money so they can send their kids to the right school so that they can get the right job and make a lot of money and so on and so on and so on. It's this terrible cycle of put yourself first, reflect your own glory, promote yourself Make everybody notice you. When I was in college, I was really into self-promotion. I was really into being the center of attention. Some of you are thinking, not much has changed. There was a time that I would do anything wild. Um, Some of you know Stephen Massey, and and Stephen's kind of a crazy, kooky, you know, seat-of-his-pants kind of guy, right? Let me tell you what. 17 years ago, I was Stephen Massey. My best friend Adam and I, he's now my brother-in-law, were at the Sears Tower. And you know, this used to be you'd go up in the Sears Tower and they'd have that little slideshow that they'd present before you went on the observation deck. We're sitting here at the Sears Tower observation deck, sitting next to each other waiting for the slideshow to start. And I said to my best friend Adam, I said, 
should I? And he started to go and say, should you what? (laughs) I think I will. And I stand up and I turn around and I face, I don't know, 200 people standing there. And we're all sitting there. And I said, excuse me, excuse me. I'm from southern Indiana and I've never been around the big city and all these big buildings before. And I just want, I'm so excited about this and I just want to take y'all's picture if I can. So I'm going to say one, two, three, cheese and you all say cheese. And I held up my camera and said one, two, three. And the whole crowd goes, cheese. And I took their picture. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And I sat down. And my friend Adam, my friend Adam is a redhead and his face was redder than his hair. I love being the center of attention. I love being the star of the show. When I graduated from high school, my grandmother gave me a t-shirt that said Hollywood on it, and I wore it under my graduation gown. There's all these guys, you know, first time in their lives ever wearing a a shirt and tie under their graduation gown. Here's me with a purple t-shirt that says Hollywood in green across it, because I was determined. And when I graduated from high school, went to Indiana State to study theater, to study to be an actor, I was going to go to Hollywood. I was going to be the next Tom Cruise. All right, fine. The next Tom Hanks. (laughs) Would you settle for Bill Murray? I was self-promotion. I was reflecting my own glory. I was all about me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But the Bible says that what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to reflect whose glory? God's glory. I reflect the glory of God. I reflect the glory of Christ in my life. I do what God wants me to do. I shine for Jesus, not for Sean. And that is so important to remember that as we move about through life, as we bebop along, as we do our thing, we are reflecting God's glory everywhere we go. We are shining the light of Jesus everywhere we go. Think about for a second the people that Jesus came into contact with. Okay, think about the people that Jesus hung out with. Jesus goes and he meets a tax collector named Matthew. Tax collectors to the Jews were the scum of the earth. They were the worst of sinners. They were traitors because they worked for the Romans. They cheated their fellow Jews out of money all the time. And they, they were viewed as, like I said, the scum of the earth. And what does Jesus do? Jesus goes and he, and he meets with him and he calls him to be one of his disciples and he eats with him and he parties with the, with the, the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. And, and people are thinking, who is this guy? Who is Jesus? What is he doing with these horrible, terrible people? Think about somebody else that Jesus brought God's glory into their life. Was the woman at the well in, in, in the book of John. I think it's chapter 4. The woman at the well there in the book of John she was a Samaritan woman, and she had been married five times and was, and was most likely shacking up with a guy who wasn't her husband. And Jesus tells her about living water, and he brings light into her life and in the life of those who lived in her village. The Roman centurion in the book of Matthew, whose servant was dying, Jesus healed him from afar, and he brought light into this man's life. He reflected God's glory in all these people's lives and more and more and more. And in our lives as well. Jesus shines his light into our lives. I have two flashlights. This one here has no power. 
It has no battery. It produces no light. It's kind of like us. On our own, we're very, very powerless. We're very dim. We're very dull. Jesus, though, is like this one. He is full of power. He is full of light. And he shines his light into our lives. He shines his light into our situations, into our circumstances. Jesus shines his light because he has the power and he has the light. I think about another example. The light of the moon. There's nothing cooler than a, a clear night when the moon is just shining bright. Especially, I'm going to say something horrible here, but uh, in the winter time. <laughs> one of the coolest things about the winter, besides the temperature, one of the coolest things about the winter is when there is freshly fallen snow that's kind of frozen, a little crispy, and the moon is shining on a clear night, and it just reflects off that snow. Now, the thing about the moon is that it, it has no power. It, it has no source of light on its own. Do you know what the moon does? It reflects the light of the sun. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas. The moon is not. The sun produces its own heat and its own light 93 million miles away, and that light and that heat hits us. And what it does is it reflects off the moon at night and it shines and lights up the world. Rather than reflecting the light of the S-U-N, I believe that we who are called the light of the world are called to reflect the light of the S-O-N. We are called to reflect Jesus' light to this dark world. A couple things happen. One, people, you ever been sleeping? Of course you have. We sleep. For the most part, people sleep. But you ever been sleeping and someone walks in and flips the light on? Mom did this to us all the time when I was in high school. Okay, I said, get up, flip. <laughs> you know, and, and you've got that, your eyes just hurt because the light is so bright and you've been sleeping so nice and sound and the covers are so warm and it's like, ah, it hurts. If you will shine the light of Jesus in your world, if you will reflect the light of the S-O-N in your world, the S-O-N in your world, if you will reflect Jesus' light into dark places, people will be blinded by it. They will be hurt by it. It will hurt their spiritual eyes. But you know what? Eventually they will get used to it. And they'll start to see things a little more clearly because you are reflecting Jesus' light to them. Uh, another thing about reflecting light and reflections I forget what I was going to say, so never mind that. Um, <laughs> Holy Spirit says it's not that important. So um, I want to get practical, though. Two places that we can shine Jesus' light, two of the most important places that we can shine Jesus' light are the two places that we spend the most time. And this is where we're going to stop, right here. The first place is at home. We've got to shine our lights at home. Sometimes it is hard to get along with our spouses. A lot of times it's hard to get along with our children. A lot of times it's hard to get along with the people that we live with. We spend a lot of time there, and those relationships are so vitally very important. And we have got to shine and reflect God's glory in our homes. That means saying I'm sorry every once in a while. That means doing the right thing and making good choices. That means honoring your parents, teenagers. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment, okay? Look it up, Exodus chapter 20, okay? It's the fourth. Um, it, it means shining Jesus' light 
under our roofs. And the other place that we shine Jesus' light is at work. Because that's probably where we spend, if not more time than at home, the second amount of time is at work. How can we shine and reflect God's glory? How can we shine Jesus' light in our workplaces, in the marketplace? Sometimes we deal with bosses who can be a real pain in the neck. They come down hard on us for no reason. They just don't like us. I don't know what it is about her. She just doesn't like me. I don't know what it is about him. He just doesn't like me. Why am I going through? Why is he persecuting me? Why is he putting me down all the time? Why is he, why is he coming down hard on me all the time? How do you respond to that person? How do you reflect God's glory? How do you shine Jesus' light to that person? Because that's the most important thing. Maybe it's a coworker who frustrates the daylights out of you. They sit there and they hum 80s song at their cubicle all day long. If I hear Banana Rama one more time... How do you shine Jesus' light? Maybe it's the customer that cusses you out on the phone for something you didn't do. How do you shine Jesus' light in that situation? How do you fulfill like our mission statement? How do you love them? How do you love your enemies at work? How do you love your neighbor at work? How do you love your neighbors at home? How do you love your enemies at home? That's what it's all about. God's love God's son, it's the light in our lives. How do we reflect that and how do we shine that on a daily basis when we leave this place? My prayer for you today, my hope, is that you have met with God today. That you have met with God. And just like Moses coming down from that mountain, I pray that you shine this week. That you are radiant this week. Whether it's at home or at work or if you're retired, it's wherever you go, whatever you do. I pray that you have met with God and that you are radiant this week as you reflect God's glory. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for the glorious light that you have shown into our lives. For sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that we might be forgiven and that we might have light even in the midst of darkness. I pray for those today who can't see, who are spiritually blinded, or who are having a hard time finding their way in the darkness. And I pray that you would shine your light in their lives. I pray that we would, with unveiled faces, unveiled faces reflect God's glory and reflect the light of the sun everywhere we go. Thank you, Jesus, for being our light. We pray this in your name. Amen.